the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, football coming here. In less than a minute, but right now, let's do a giveaway. 364-1100, caller 11. We got shows going down at the uh, LV Ballpark at Las Vegas Ballpark. First ever live concerts coming up this Saturday, the 26th, Under the Stars, British Rock Royalty. We're talking about a symphonic experience uh, with songs from The Who, Pink Floyd, David Bowie, Queen, Led Zeppelin, state-of-the-art lighting, video, lasers. Tickets start at under 20 bucks. If you want to get your own, they're on sale at thelvballpark.com if you want some tickets from us. You call in, you're caller 11, you talk to Ari, 364-1100, Great British Rock Royalty is over at the LV Ballpark this Saturday. Football. Crunch, crunch. All right. John Von Tobel's with us. We're here at the Cannery. We're getting ready for the big hockey game tonight. Golden Knights. They did it. They got it the 2-2. Right. I don't know how they did it. We'll see if Stevenson's out there. We'll see if they uh, know how they did it. Well. Watching the game, I don't know how. That, at times, I don't. I don't know how they got it done. Uh, they know how they did it. Uh, they came up uh, big when it mattered most, and then in overtime, massive goal by Nick Watt. By the way, Miles Simmons, football insider from Pro Football Talks, coming up in about 15 minutes. Um, one offbeat topic, uh, non-football for a second. Even though I, uh, I did the pads, we'll make them hockey pads on the goalie. What do you think of in this whole goalie thing? And we'll read some of the comments in the five o'clock hour. Leonard v. Flurry, Flurry v. Leonard. What do you think about fans holding up signs at the game, asking for Flower to be back in there? Screw them. Why? Sure, they have their on. loyalties, or is that, or is that individual over team? Right. Like so. Again, Leonard has made it clear that he hears and sees everything that is said about him. Not everything, but a majority of the stuff that is said about him. So if you're if you're allegedly supporting the team, because you have the Vegas Golden Knights gear on. You would want the team and thus the starting goalie to be successful. And yet, when the starting goalie looks up in the stands, there's a sign that says, bring back the guy who you're replacing. Like, just what what does that do? What does that do in any way whatsoever? Unless they're, like, Montreal Canadian fans trying to mess with them, I guess. But, like, I just don't understand yep, how this fandom go. works. Antifa at it again. <laughs> yeah. Hockey <laughs> Antifa. Trying to, hockey Antifa trying to screw things up. In Canada, no less. Their roots spread. These Canadian fans are brilliant. Right. Developing this rift between Fleury and Leonard when it doesn't really exist here. It exists here. So it's right. believable that their Flower fans are going to hold up signs. It's crappy, though, right? Like, that's a crappy thing to do. I don't know. I don't know where this goes now. I mean, clearly Leonard is bothered by it, but it works for him. So fans are going to do what they want. I think it's a stupid and crappy thing to do. <laughs> I like what Tom Brady's doing for this for this golf match. Because nobody's so, going to watch? Uh, I think some people will watch. Won't be me. You going to bet it? No. Why not? Why would? I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to watch it. Well, I think the trash talk's going to be awesome. Uh, here's Brady. He was uh, making a bunch of putts and talking trash. We kind of condensed it. Bryson, this is for you. Putt, Aaron? It. This one's for you. Another putt makes it. Bill, it's going to be us all day. Get used to seeing this. Let's go. 
Same putt, 18 feet. I don't think they edited it. I think he made three 18-footers in a row. Unbelievable. Huh? Tom, yes. Yeah. Went out there, three for three, was done. Didn't take multiple attempts. But talking trash at Rogers, at Big Bryce, and pumping up his teammate, Phil. Boy, this is tough. This is tougher than Leonard Fleury. I don't know who to root for. Which side to take? So it's Phil and it's Phil and Tom. Yes. And Aaron and Bryson. Yes. Armageddon. What does that mean? I'd rather the world end. <laughs> Come on, you gotta pick someone. Aside. It's like who? All right, one. Can we? Do, can you we ba- get... do you okay? Do you back what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now versus the Packers? Yes. Okay, well, there, there you go. That's yeah, but then I got to root, root for Bryson DeChambeau. Why, why are you now hating on I've always DeChambeau? Him. He's annoying. Have some, you know what, have some you, finesse. Are you going to do your whole thing yes. about finesse again yeah, like you did before the tournament? Yeah. It worked just fine. He oh, won it money. Did? It he, did? Did he, he win money? He posted a snowman on one of the holes. He completely collapsed in the back nine on Sunday. He was awful. It he happens. He was bombing and gouging all over the place. The man plays his game. You have to respect that. He sucks. He's like the Ben Simmons of golf. He's going to do what he wants to do. Like I was chastising some people for treating athletes properly. I'm like, he sucks. Get around here. <laughs> Three minutes removed from saying fans are jerks for the way they're treating Robin Leonard. I would I would be a Tory Pines with a sign, Bryson, you suck. <laughs> Just show some finesse. You are a golf purist. I've, I figured that out. I, but like, can you seriously? It's like they were like, let's get four of the most unrelatable guys together. And have them play golf. Oh, I don't believe that at all. Who's relatable out of these guys? People love Phil Mickelson. I guess. It's not relatable. In spite of the fact that he, he, like many other golfers at at the U.S. Open, was complaining about the phones. About the phones clicking. But, like, like. I saw him start. I I, I don't know if it was his first shot or even during the round in the third round. They, you know, they, it wasn't, it didn't get nasty, but it's like, please, silence. Someone's phone rang, which that is annoying. But still. But isn't likable and relatable aren't the same things? Um... I think for I think for a lot of people, Phil is relatable. Here's this guy that's a millionaire and great golfer, maybe caught up in some insider trading. And <laughs> hey, why people gravitate to the bosses and millionaires of this world, I don't know, but yeah. some people think those sorts of people are relatable. I guess Phil and Tom are the right side to root for. Why, why, why can't why can't Bryson DeChambeau be the guy as well? Because he's he's like the anti-establishment guy. He's the like the roughhouser. He's the in-shape John Daly, minus all the drinking. in-shape John Daly. Like just banging the ball around the course. Just somehow, I'm just going to swing, grip it, rip it. No, I'm going to swing as hard as I can. And if I and if I can't beat all the country club guys, the proper guys in the game, the finesse guys like John likes. But he's also a whiner. All right, so you're in. I just sold you on this. Look, you're getting all worked up. I'm not watching a second of it. You like Rodgers, so you're going to root for Rodgers and root against the other three guys, and hopefully Rodgers can carry his team. Unless my job enforces me to do so. Which, which they might. You never know. Football frenzy, continue. <laughs> Wonder Twins, activate. Uh, Tim Tebow, is he working on his skills at tight end camp? So you know how I hate Tim Tebow, the tight end version? And kind of just like Tim Tebow overall. George Kittle hates him too. How do we know that? So you ever heard of Tight End University? Uh, it is a uh, camp put on. It's George Kittle. And uh, event organizer Greg Olson. Essentially, you get the tight ends in the National Football League together, work on cool. some stuff. Uh, awesome. Except like that what Tim, Von Miller does here. Yeah, except Tim Tebow wasn't invited. Tim Tebow wasn't invited to uh, tight ends camp. No, no. Of all was. the guys who should get the invite. Uh, tight end university. Thank you very tight much. Tight end university, yeah. my bad. Uh, a quote from Kittle. 
So nothing against Tim Tebow, but I found it hard to invite. I wish nothing but the best for Tim Tebow. It's weird that he uses his first and last name multiple times. And I hope he has a fantastic season playing tight end. But it's hard for me not to invite a backup tight end on, let's say, the New York Giants, as opposed to inviting a guy who just started playing the tight end position because we do have limited spots. I wish I could make it so every NFL tight end can come. It's accessible to everybody. But what we tried to do this year, we wanted to pay for everything for all the tight ends that come to kind of make it a special can we, event. Can we read between the lines for here? For all the tight ends. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, real tight ends. Right. Just say real. He also went on to say Not that someone who's playing games and you know trying to finish out their professional sports fantasy. But Tim Tebow is going to get invited next year. Because he did go on to say that if he's on a roster this year and he plays tight end, Ooh. we would love to have him. We would love to work with him. Once he's officially tight end, we would love to work with him. That was Greg Olson who said that. Um, he's making the roster. Urban Meyer's going right. to force him onto the so roster. So now you're locked in, Kittle and yep. Olson. Be careful, be, be careful what you say. No, he also did throw in the qualifier if he plays tight end. So 10 catches if at he, tight end, 17 passes, and 35 carries. Is he a tight end? No. By the way, the 35 carries is absurd. As soon as I said it, I was like, wow. They're going to run the option for a couple yeah. of games. Yeah, he's like, no, he's not a tight end then. Yeah, he's an H-back or whatever it is. A lot of wildcat. Yeah. Um, no. But, I mean, he's going to make a roster, and Urban Meyer's yeah. going to shoehorn him in. And I'm like the only one on the show who really like, likes athletes. It's unreal. But, I mean, but think you, about you're that. So, I mean, you, you love Leonard. You don't like DeChambeau. You're anti-Tebow. I don't get it. But 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 even like reading what Kittle and, and um, Olsen are saying here, right? We're inviting the tight ends on the roster, the backup tight end on the New York Giants, the guy who has worked at this craft for a really long time throughout his life. Those are the guys that get the invite to work at this kind of camp, not the guy who, like you said, was like, I want to play tight end today. Let me call up Urban Meyer and let's go get on a roster. Like, come on. It's annoying. It's an insult to every single one of the guys who actually works at something like this. You can be a winner. With ESPN Las Vegas, Ari just got a winner. Patrick wins our tickets to uh, the British Rock Royalty show this Saturday. You can get your own tickets at thelvballpark.com. The show goes down again Saturday, June 26th. Patrick is the winner. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Voice of Carl Nassib, we're getting reaction from people in and out of football. This is an announcement yesterday, Raiders defensive end. Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Lots of football to uh, get into with Miles Simmons. Important Tuesday. Of course, Miles does his work at PFT, ProFootballTalk.com. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, guys. How are you? Uh, good. I have no segue for this because I wanted to be a goofball for a second. Um, okay. Should your height be measured with or without shoes on? Because I, I, I find it fascinating when the NBA combine list comes out. And they give the heights without the shoes on, and I'm not sure why it matters what the height is without your shoes on, because no one is playing barefoot basketball. 
Well, I, as a person who lifts themselves as six feet even, I would never yes. take my height without my shoes on because otherwise I might not have that six feet. And listen, man, when you're trying to construct, say, a dating profile, actually having six feet, and that is the pretty, you know, it's a significant difference between six feet, 5'11", 5'10". Now, if you see somebody and they say that they're 5'10", you figure that they're probably 5'8". If you're 5'10", you're probably just going to round yourself up to six feet. Anybody that's 5'11", also lying, you know, wow. they're probably 5'8", 5'9". So, yeah, that, that's the way I see it. Very detailed explanation. I've always been anti the half inch. I think that's a bunch of bunk. I, I think then, uh, then, I I start, then I start to question people on their height. They're just lying. Yeah, exactly. Why do you need Why do you need the half inch? Listen, I, maybe I shouldn't admit this on the radio, but I've been told at a doctor's office that I am five feet ten and a half. Right. Mm. So if I'm five feet ten and a half, that means six feet to me on a dating profile. So that's just the way it's going to be. Because why would I say five eleven? That's ridiculous. Mm. No, just round up. John, I'm six one. So are you really? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. But well, you don't have to lie. No, he sounded confident in that. Yeah, uh, that was just the phlegm in my throat that was making it sound like a lot worse. <laughs> it did sound. Yeah, no, I'm I'm six one, no six one and a half, no six and a half or well, six foot and a half. There. Cheesy segue back to the uh, the story at hand. Uh, there is no reason to lie or feel uncomfortable. Uh, be comfortable in who you are, and I don't know what 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 do you think the reaction is? Like truly, the reaction is around the NFL to Carl Nassib because we know. You know Eight, ten years ago when, you know, the Michael Sam situation out, was out there, that, that got pretty volatile. And there are there were at the time people in NFL locker rooms who were like, hey, I'm I'm still not comfortable with this. We saw Tim Hardaway around the NBA. He made some inflam- inflammatory comments. So what do you think the vibe is around the NFL? Uh, you know what? I Honest to goodness, I think between it's either something like, wow, like that's awesome, good for him, I really support him, and like, the other part is, uh, who cares? Like, I'm on vacation right now. And, like, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that is, you know, it's kind of what Mark Davis was saying in his statements last night. You know, why should we care all that much? This shouldn't be as big of a deal. And I think probably to many people, it's not. You know, it's just that this person has decided to be the first to do something. And I think for that, it is very, very courageous. But at the same time, man, it's like, all right, we're in 2021. We all know intellectually that there are people who identify as gay, bisexual, whatever the case may be, in NFL locker rooms. It just so happens that Carl Nassib happens to be the first one to admit that while being in an NFL locker room. And frankly, I do think that that takes real, real courage. Um, But, yeah, I think for the most part, though, like right now is this one time where, and I I saw some criticism of this on Twitter today, where, like, well, why why aren't teams saying more? Why aren't players saying more? This is the one time of year that yeah. people get off from the NFL. And I think that kind of has something to do with it. And so it's like, why should we say something, you know, whatever it may be, about somebody who doesn't play for our team, who is not necessarily the biggest star, and he's just saying that he's gay and, like, he's coming out. It, it's, I think it reflects where we are as a society that this doesn't – it's a big deal, but the reaction doesn't have to be as big of a deal as it might otherwise would have been, if that makes well, sense. Why is, why is anyone required to have a reaction? Right, right exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think that anybody, anybody is required to have an exact reaction to something like this. And, but if you're the organization, if you're the Raiders, then yeah, you, as an organization, as Mark Davis did, as Mark Dane did, like you have to support your player. And I give the Raiders kudos for doing exactly that. And I, you know, I have no problem with what any of them have said. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, that John Gruden tried to reflect what 
um, Al Davis used to say, and what makes a man different is what makes a man great. And I think that that can kind of be taken in a not-so-great way, but I think especially knowing what the history was of Al Davis, knowing the history of how progressive Al Davis wanted to be, and I'm not just wanted to be how progressive he was right. in implementing different things with the Raiders. And you talk about team presidents and coaches, color, and all these different types of things, right? That I think shows that this was the right organization for this to happen for. Not that I think any organization would react poorly, but particularly this one. Um, it just it it I I like that this is a part of the story um, where it is. Let's talk a little more about the Raiders, and I'm gonna. Uh, bounce this off you. This is from a Mike Freeman story, and you know he was patting the Raiders on the back as an organization that has been groundbreaking and embraced diversity. He did make mention of something really interesting. Uh, he says this doesn't mean, however, that the Raiders are perfect, and he pointed out that the Raiders gave a chance to Richie Incognito, which, and he said, uh, you know, yet uh, this team signed a disgraceful bully, and bullying is a, a significant cause of suicides among young members of lgbtq the uh, that community which i okay that that's a valid point adam and i have talked about this a lot adam hill and adam's not here john is but adam and i were talking about yesterday actually can incognito be held up now as another raiders success story of embracing someone who may be offbeat with his mental health issues and i know there's a lot to process here i'm not trying to kind of cross pollinate two important issues but right you know we heard at the time and I, I, I remember adam explaining it to me he's like Maybe this is a good thing for Incognito, who needs to have the structure of football to keep things together and get normal and make sure he's medicated to deal with his bipolar disorder. Well, I honestly, the answer is yes. I mean, we haven't really heard anything about Richie Incognito going to, uh, to use a class phrase that just came to my head, but I sort of apologize for it, but off the rails, right? right. Like, you haven't heard Richie Incognito getting into any sort of trouble is what I should have just said. So. I think that from that standpoint, yeah, the, the Raiders have clearly been good for him. I mean, even when Richie Incognito was injured last year, you didn't hear anything negative about him, whether it was off the field, whether it was in the locker room or with the training staff or anything like that. So I think from that standpoint, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense that Richie Incognito can be held up as a success story, especially because look, he's also played well over the last couple of years. So. You're talking about somebody like that. You know, it, I, I think it is important to acknowledge that, yeah, he's made significant mistakes. Yeah, he has been a bully. But then you also have somebody like Clee Furl talking about how he's voted for Richie Incognito as a captain over the last couple of years. And it's like, you know, you don't necessarily expect that. And you know the history of what Richie Incognito has done in this league. So he's a leader in that locker room, and he's performed well. And he's kept himself out of trouble. And I think that, yeah, that is something to write home about. Miles, unrelated story, but, uh, you know, in the division with the Chiefs, what's going to happen here with Frank Clark and this Uzi and arrest? And now he's out on bond and he's got a, you know, he's had a history going back to his college days with uh, domestic violence issues. I I mean, if he gets through the justice system, I wonder what the NFL is going to do. Yeah, well, I mean, that seems like it's a suspension waiting to happen for violating the league's personal conduct policy. And, you know, it depends on how the, all of these things come out um, and how all of these cases resolve themselves and things like that, exactly how long that suspension will be. But, yeah, I think that it's fair to accept that Frank Clark 
excuse me, expect that Frank Clark um, will be suspended and have to miss some time. So it's interesting, too, because he's been talking this offseason about wanting to be more consistent, about performing better in the regular season, because it's really not something that he did last year very well. But I don't know what's going to happen with that. So, yeah, it's going to be certainly an interesting process there. Have you heard some whispers around the league, uh, some reaction to uh, freedom fighter Cole Beasley coming out and basically saying, you know what, he might have to retire. He wants to be happy. He's... He's not pleased with the uh, Vax policies around the NFL. Uh, what are people around the league saying about Cole Beasley and if he's going to play this year? Oh, look, Cole Beasley is not really in a situation, I think, at this point, where he can continue to mouth off and say how much he hates something that his union agreed to with the league, right? And say, I don't like these policies. I don't like all this. I don't want to be, you know, cons- I don't want to be treated differently. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you're not vaccinated against this virus, then you're still at risk for not only carrying it, but passing it on to somebody else. So that's why you still have to adhere to all of the freaking protocols that there were last year. And you're going to get fined if you don't. I mean, it's just, it's very simple. And I'm not a good, you know, spokesperson for why you should get the vaccine because I don't have the patience to, like, explain why. Because, frankly, I just don't get it. You know, get the shot. I got it as soon as I possibly could because I know that it's scientifically, it's the best way of getting rid of this pandemic and getting back to a normal life. So I understand that, like, when I start talking about this, I, I can't be as objective as I want to be. But, look, the other part of this is that Cole Beasley, if he were to get cut, the, the, the bills would save about $5.5 million off the cap, right? They've got Emmanuel Sanders. They've got, um, I don't know if he's a singletary, his uh, name is escaping me right now. But, you know, he's another one of these guys. But they've got that's a young wide receiver. So yeah, Gabriel. If he Gabriel Davis is excuse me, I names came back to my mind. So like there are options that the Bills have. They don't need him. He's not Stephon Diggs. Okay. So you know, he said today to uh, I believe it was the a paper in Dallas, I'm not sure if it was Dallas Morning News or Fort Worth Star Telegram, but but he was talking about how, you know, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on this from now on. I just wanna play, I just wanna live my life, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's probably his best course of action because the more he talks, the more he's going to be a distraction. And when you're a distraction and you're not a good enough player to you know, be labeled a distraction and still have you on the field, then that's how you get cut. So his best course of action now is to, first of all, get the vaccine. But if he's not going to do that, then just keep your mouth shut, adhere to the protocol, and pay the fines if you have to. On a uh, quick tease for HBO's The Shop, LeBron Show, we heard Tom Brady talking about, you know, when – the option started to kind of shrink down of when he was making his decision. He referenced the team sticking with that mother, whatever. Do you have any clue mm-hmm. what, what, what team, what quarterback he was talking about? A lot of speculation that it could have been Garoppolo Niners, could have been Tannehill Titans, could have been Carr Raiders. The, the one that makes the most sense is probably Garoppolo with the 49ers. But, like, at the same time, when you think about it, they've just gone to a Super Bowl. Right. And, yes, if Jimmy Garoppolo would hit that throw to Sanders down the field, then you'd be talking about him as a Super Bowl champion probably and not a Super Bowl loser. But we all knew that Jimmy Garoppolo was a little bit injury-prone. But at the same time, you didn't know that he was going to be out for as long as he would be out and that that would then result in uh, the 49ers saying, yeah, for a long-term option, you need a better one. So it's kind of interesting if that were actually the case. But I think if you're Tom Brady – Everybody is uh, you-know-what compared to you, right? You, at that point, you had six rings, now you have seven. 
So it just can inflate yourself even a little bit more. And it's not that Tom Brady doesn't deserve to have an inflated ego. Again, he's the best quarterback of all time. So anybody is basically, except for like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson maybe, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Now the list is pretty short of people that Brady wouldn't call a you-know-what and say, you're going to stick with that guy over me. There he is, legit six-footer, Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Make sure you read his stuff. Miles, we appreciate it. It says six feet on my driver's license. That's what I'm going down with. That's the most important point of reference. Thanks, Miles. (laughs) Thanks, Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. Fat Pack on the way back. Uh, Listen, we're having a lot of health problems on this show, and if we would all just drink some tea, I think we'd be good. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's one. Hey, crazy day today. We got a lot of food stuff to talk about. We're getting ready for the NBA lottery tonight. You got an NBA playoff game, and of course... Your hometown Vegas Golden Knights in a uh, big game. Game five in these series. So freaking massive to decide who wins in these seven-game series. Knights all the way up to minus 240. We'll talk to uh, Sammy P. from Nesson in just a couple minutes about the gambling angles on the game and also a little bit on the NBA draft. I was just saying to John that Davion Mitchell's on ESPN right now. I saw at least uh, one ESPN expert say that he's the most – NBA-ready player right now in the draft. What? And he's projected as a top-ten pick. He was one of the stud players for Baylor, although, eh, you know, the measurable drought listed at 6'2", 205, a little fibbing. Mm. Six-foot tall with no shoes on, shoes on, 6'1". I think I'm out. Too short. Yeah, probably. Doesn't have a dynamic wingspan. Uh, I think that... uh, doesn't have a dynamic wingspan. Just Did like, you just, just make that up? Yeah, or just, just throw a draft I, I, you know? God, I hope, his, I, I hope his measurables are like he's got like 87-inch yeah. wingspan at 6'1". I think Jalen Suggs is the most NBA-ready. How about that? Um, well, you and I love the NBA and NBA draft especially. The debate over the point guards is going to be fascinating because yeah. of all different kinds. There's little guys, like truly little guys. Then there's small guys like Mitchell, who's a freaking bulldog. Then there's medium-sized guys like Suggs, and then there's giant guys like Cade Cunningham. Yep. So, a lot to get into with the NBA draft. You know, I'm going to hold your tea story for a couple of minutes because we have an important okay. chicken wing story. Ooh. Uh, you hear me in the open sometimes yell that – I think I was probably yelling at Adam Hill that he was an anti-winger, or it might have been Ari. Ari's an anti-everything. So, you know, it's funny, wasn't it – a month after March Madness last year, there was a people were freaking out in the food industry because we had a chicken wing surplus. Yeah. Now we've come out of COVID like just complete animals, and apparently we've just soaked up the entire chicken wing supply. It's like there's a real shortage right now of chicken wings. Rick Ross loves chicken wings. I think he's one of the guys who's all over the lemon pepper chicken wings and uh, Ari he he believes he's found some sort of a fix or at least temporarily yes here we go nobody moves more wings than the boss Rick Ross and Wingstop but now that there's a national wing shortage guess you're done hustling huh Rick nah we doing thighs The 
hustle continues with Thigh Stop. All the flavors you love wow. now on thighs. Nah, we're doing thighs now. Okay. Like well, it. really big complaint, by the way. About? About that commercial. Why? Because if I was writing the commercial, and if Rick Ross were asked the question, are you out of wings, Rick Ross's response clearly should be, huh? And then you go to the commercial. He, he threw a huh in there somewhere? No, he didn't. Well, he did, but I'm not going to replay it for you. You know the thigh thing has been sort of beneath the surface for a while now. Like real foodies are... I'll tell you last week, we have on Mark McMillan, I start talking about chicken breast, and I was like, I'm having trouble cooking the chicken breast the right way where it's not done enough or it's dried out. And he, like, repeatedly was like, no chicken breast, no chicken breast, no chicken breast, no chicken I'm like, and he kept suggesting thighs, and we've heard, you know, about chicken thighs on a lot of the cooking shows. Like, like real chefs don't want to use chicken breast because the thighs cook nicer. They're just more flavorful. And now this could be a real – this. This could be a coming out party for chicken thighs. The Montobel household is exclusively a chicken thigh household. Wow, you switched? I've, we've been for a very long time. Wow. My wife was the late converter. Is that right? Yeah. She didn't really understand the uh, the wonderful appeal of chicken thighs. I got all troubles at chicken home. Chicken thighs are great. I got all troubles at home. You put it. I can't make the conversion. Sear, your skin side, sear that bad boy for three minutes, flip it, bam, cover it. Seven, and eh, we'll call it like 10 to 11 minutes. I can make the there. conversion. Just cook it up. Boom. All right. Boom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you up. They Maybe look I'll great. get you on a little whatever video app, and I'll just have you walk me through it. Bone in or boneless. All good. John, you in your kitchen right now? <laughs> Trying to chicken thighs. Stay on with me. At this rate, I think I'll be at some has, sort of has your ear. service. Yeah. Use your other ear to hear me. Yeah. Actually, you don't have to. Just hold the phone away. Yeah. I'll get something on it. It's rough. He's gotten it out. All right. Do you think this will work? Yeah. Chicken thighs are great. I'm just, people are very snobby. But like, is people it are changing? very uneducated when it comes to the chicken. So is it like, like obviously the wings are not available. So is it just like boneless chicken thigh nuggets or what is it? They look pretty good. I was going to say, in the, and I'm not a thigh guy, but, but you're not. They look tasty. You're, you're not in any. You're, you're exactly the person we're talking about. You could have. Yeah, you don't yeah. even need to answer. And I'm that. You, will, you will never try the chicken thighs, even though Rick Ross has told you to try okay. the chicken thighs. I've Rick Ross thighs. is telling you, and you still won't do it. <laughs> I've had. Why? God, you're frustrating. I've had thighs before. It's not. It's not my favorite. And what's but, the problem? I mean, I just. I'm more of a breast guy. It's not enough meat. It's. It's kind of. It, it's all. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not saying I won't eat it, but okay. Guess I'm an ignorant. What did you say? I guess I'm uneducated when it comes to chicken. <laughs> John's right, though. I've actually heard good things about thighs forever, and from cooking people that actually cook. I know I'm right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it got it got to a point on uh, on a lot of the uh, Top Chef episodes. You know, once they got whatever six, seven, eight seasons in, yeah. or like eighteen in, where they're like. The real experienced chef judging the, the chefs who are trying to win the competition. If these chicken breasts are like, <laughs> dude, what are you, a clown? It's ridiculous. It's Why so are you good. using this? Get like, and you get one of those simple two, like one of those like uh, those chickens, like those five pound chickens or whatever it is, and you put all you need is salt, pepper, and onion powder. That's it. Cover it up. Butter, little slabs of butter on the corners. Stuff it with some butter. Season the inside. Comes out so crispy and so good. You go straight for the thighs, bro. Fat Delicious. pack. Fat pack here on a Wednesday. Uh, by the way, check that Tuesday. I don't know what day it is. Um, 
I did hear a rumor that uh, Ryan McKinnell, Big Mac, is is actually anti thigh. What? Yeah, he's very pro breast. But we'll we'll look into that. Huh. I'll tweet at him and see what happens. Hey, I'm pro thigh now. Yeah, he, he swears. If you uh, if you come on down here, he grows his own chickens. By he, the way, here he does grow his own chickens. <laughs> <laughs> he lays the eggs and that everything. Was, that was that whole he lays the egg. <laughs> that was that whole war over shredded cheese versus block cheese that went down about a month ago. That got real ugly. Uh, Cannery. We're watching the game at Victory's Bar and Grill. You can build your own burger. A single is just $4.99. You get a quarter-pound burger, melted American, crack sauce, sautéed onions, and dill pickles. You want to make it a double, it's 7 bucks, 9 bucks for a triple. You can throw toppings on from there, but you can build your own burger. They get great appetizers like the uh, the fries. You get a couple hot dogs for 6 bucks, jalapeno poppers, queso dip, and uh, great happy hour specials, including 2 bucks on the domestic beers. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's do it. Let's go out to Parts Unknown. We never know where he is. We assume New England, but uh, the guy worked for Nesson. He worked for Fox Sports. Has uh, 15 jobs. He's on social media all the time. He's giving out gambling advice. He's challenging. Texters, tweeters, whoever else. Probably not texters, tweeters, to bets. What's up, Sam? Didn't you love last week when I had some guy with five Twitter followers offer yeah. to book my bets? Like, what yeah. could possibly go wrong? And then you got him on skates. Like, he, like, come on, dude, let's do it. Let's do it. Come up with an agreement. We'll, let's figure out how to do the money. Let's bet. And then he blocked me when his he stupid bet didn't come true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, you know, like, I. JVT, me, you, Steve, we get a lot of stuff on the internet from people, but the best is when you're like, okay, dude, let's go. Like, let's roll up the sleeves and make a bet, and then they just disappear. That's my favorite part about social media. Yeah. Well, I've made a couple of bets with listeners uh, through Facebook and uh, I think a caller one time, and I never got paid. Yeah. So, what? It, it, I never got paid? Yeah. Never got paid. I got stiffed. All right, let's talk about the Golden Knights game. What? Is going on here? Tight series. Golden Knights having trouble scoring. Can't figure out the uh, Canadians' defense. Canadians are laying back, especially if they get a lead. And again, the Canadians come in tonight. Sam at plus two ten. I think the most interesting number is the total. You know, they opened it at five, pretty much everywhere. Five total goals with heavy juice to the over, minus one thirty-five, minus one forty. So you got to lay a pretty nice price to win a hundred, going on the over and. I talked to multiple books who were like, we can't write under bets. We can't write anything on the under. And, like, the line hasn't really moved. So for all the public money that's on the over, there's some wise guy money, some respected money for that matter, on the under five at a plus price. Only problem with five is it goes to two, two. You can't win. You know, you could push potentially in overtime. Um, and I always love to look at the screen in a big Vegas Golden Knights game. You look at the board at Westgate, South Point, minus 240, and then you look offshore and non-Vegas books, and it's minus 215 and minus 220. So you're paying that extra tax in Vegas, which you always do with a Vegas sports team. Um, it still seems expensive, but at, at the same time, um, I don't know. That was a crushing loss for Montreal. You know, They win that series if they win game four. And now they're a big underdog to win the series. So that was a tough loss at home. Vegas has the mo, the momentum, of course. I'm not laying 200 in a hockey game in the playoffs. This thing could be one-to-one with five minutes to go. I wouldn't be surprised. 
What are you doing with your uh, Montreal series bet? You doing anything with it? Getting off of it? Just riding it through? I already, yeah, I already laid a little bit. You know, after Game Three, you know, people people like to laugh at you when you take a four to one dog in a series, but when they went up two to one, Vegas was minus one thirty to win the series. So at that point, you have to lay a little bit off, at least enough to to break even, no matter what, or maybe win a little bit. So I, I'm in a good spot. I can't lose either way. I can enjoy the series, but that's because I made the right bet before the series. I mean, that, minus 500 on a hockey team in a playoff series is, is a joke. Like, no team should ever be that high. There are too many random bounces, too much puck luck that goes into it. But I can enjoy it, JBT, and that's mm-hmm. because I made the right bet going into the series. So how do you handle series betting? Because you know, I'll, I'll do it a lot. Like There have been four series up to this point in the NBA uh, that I have bet before the series started or after game one and then just locked in a profit as the series goes on. Uh, I think it's a very profitable way to handle it, but how do you handle series betting in the NHL? Is it different that way, or is it pretty similar? The overreactions are even stronger in hockey. Um, you know, especially you look at these Vegas series, the last two, you know, Avalanche open minus 180. They win the first two games. They go all the way out to minus 900. Of course, you can't bet Colorado at that point, yeah. but you could have taken back Vegas 5-1. to one. So you almost have to bet against the overreactions. And then even in this series, you know, Vegas opens up minus 5, minus 510 at Circa. They win the first game. It goes to minus 1,100. You're like, it's one hockey game. Uh, So, yeah, you have to sort of buy the dip, I guess. Um, Maybe not with Bitcoin, but at least in series prices. You just, you take the team that everybody falls in love with, let that, you know, let that expectation and all the perception build up, and then you just Bet the right number the other way. That's how that's how I do it. You know, there's nobody, JBT, in the NBA, like there's nobody right now willing to bet the Clips right now. And, and like, you're seeing some pretty drastic series prices. Uh, you cover the league better than I do. You know the league better than I do. I mean, can I take the Clippers to win the series, or are they dead? I don't know. I'm asking you. Uh, the fact that Morris is healthy, I would say that they're not dead. They're very much alive. And it's funny, the Suns are a team, Sam, who – from a power rating and perception standpoint, have been very much upgraded since this run in the postseason. And I think they're a good team, but I think we tend to forget the path that they took here. They're still a good team, but I don't know if I've seen enough beating up on a shorthanded Lakers and Denver Nuggets team to upgrade the power rating like the market seems to have. And they were really, really close in game one. I mean, the game, wasn't it a a three-point lead at half? The The game was a two-point game with two minutes to go. That series price has gone from Phoenix minus 180, minus 200. You know, DraftKings has minus 450 now. Um, you know, that implies about an 85% chance of probability. I, look, the Clippers, you can get plus 350 if you shop around. They only lost one game. Yep. Um, it's just, it's a lot, but these are the overreactions that are built into the line. And all of a sudden, people are like, well, the Clips are down 1 0. But the reality is, if they win game two, they did their job. Like, all you're supposed to do is split and then go back home. I just bet the Clippers plus 340, so thank you, guys. Uh, what are you going to do in uh, Bucks and Hawks? Are you going to stick with your Trey Young props, uh, maybe scoring? What else do you do? No, we can't. I mean, the market has overcorrected itself. And, and I talked about this on Sunday, you know, on, on Twitter, because I've been riding the guy in games three, four, five, and six. His point prop was like 27 and a half. Didn't change. Leading scorer, he's plus 200, plus 250, plus 190. And then his three-pointers over two and a half is like minus a quarter, minus 125. In game seven, they jacked his point prop up three whole points. They moved the juice on his over for threes, 40 cents, and they dropped him from two to one to plus 115 to be the leading scorer. And I'm trying to explain to people, we're out. Like, the edge is gone. 
they, they made it. They literally made it too expensive. Now he didn't play well in Game Seven, and I think they're gonna they're gonna probably put that Game One prop at about I don't know twenty six and a half, twenty seven and a half. But I think if you can get a good price like plus one seventy or plus one eighty on him to be the leading scorer. That's worth it, but you just you kind of you have to fade the noise when it gets too much, and and they literally priced me out of Trey Young in Game Seven because they jacked up every single market, and you have to stay away at that point. You got to know when to fold them. Sam Pennyadovich, Nesson is with us, our gambling expert on Tuesdays. Are you checking back in with uh, World Series numbers? Yeah, I just think if you have a team that you missed the boat on, you know, one team that comes to mind is the Chicago White Sox. They were they were ten to one to win the World Series before the year, and you're lucky to find you know, a five or a six right now. But I think some markets, including MGM, which is in Nevada, they've got the exact World Series prices. So you could take a team like Chicago and you can marry them with the Mets at 40 to one. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm a little bit more interested than that four to one or five to one on the White Sox. How about White Sox Padres, 40 to one. White Sox Giants, 80 to one. I, I don't necessarily like one more than the other, but I, I do like the White Sox and Exact World Series markets, they allow you to take the team you like the most, whether it's the White Sox or the Dodgers or the Padres, and you can pair them with a couple different teams, sort of key them in, and you can get 40, 60, 80 to 1, depending on the matchup. It's worth checking it out. Make sure you check out Sam's uh, podcast, too, uh, Chicken Dinner, up at Chicken X Dinner on Twitter. All right, college football, a lot closer than people realize, and the numbers are starting to come out. You seeing anything? Yeah, college football, man, you got to take Iowa State to win the Big 12. I'm a huge fan of Matt Campbell, and they bring back Brock Purdy, a quarterback. That's a team on a mission, and we talk about taxes all the time. In football, in, uh, in college basketball, you pay a tax with Gonzaga. You pay the Lincoln-Riley tax in the Big 12. I mean, the guy has done nothing but pump out Heisman winners and, and win conference championships. Oklahoma, minus 140, minus 150, and I, Iowa State brings back like 18, 19 starters, and I think I think Campbell's a better coach than Riley. This is Iowa State's year. If it's not this year, it ain't happening. I like Iowa State in the Big 12 at like plus two and a quarter. Uh, that's a really good team, and I think they're going to win the division and the conference. Or not the division. They're going to win the Big 12, I think, this year. Let me close on a goofy note. Uh, last night we were doing a podcast, and one of my guests started talking about uh, inspirational movies, great movies. We started talking about Rocky and then Rocky Four with the soundtrack. Why I just did a search randomly for Rocky and Drago. I'm actually, I don't know what's going on here. What's happening? Well, I'm writing a story for Fox for the 4th of July. I'm, I'm going to have uh, like 10 or 12 bookmakers make the line for Rocky Drago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, it, it's funny because some of the guys in town are like, yeah, Drago minus 160. That would not have been the line ever. Are you kidding me? Like, that, that fight would have been, you had to open that fight, Drago minus a nickel. Like, he's got to open minus 500. Did these guys had, watch the training montage and the difference? We're talking about a super athlete. I mean, you, you, you obviously, you wouldn't have known that he was taking a needle to the keyser. But, uh, no. come on, the build-up yeah, build for that fight, the bookies, he was unbeatable. One of the bookies in Vegas he is like, okay, man. you have to make this number without knowing the result. So you remove the fact that you've already seen the freaking movie. Going into that fight... I had most of the bookies tell me they probably would have opened Drago at least minus a thousand, and they would have Good. wanted to write Good. their first bets on Drago too, like because you know in boxing the the sexy underdog always gets the money. So they would have probably written it down. They would have got crushed when Rocky won. But Drago, don't give me Drago minus one sixty. There's no, no way the price no. would have been that low. Um, I will say, typical boxing big favorite. Nobody wants to watch Drago. 
Drago kills. He kills Apollo Creed. Drago's a bigger <laughs> favorite over Rocky than Floyd Mayweather just was over Logan Paul. Kenny White said he'd open Drago minus 800, Rocky plus 550. Drago is bigger, faster, stronger, plus he has 35 years of Cold War revenge on the mind. <laughs> I am looking forward to this. Oh, man, the internets are going to explode. What a good idea. Thanks, pal. Thanks, Sam. We'll talk to you. See you, bud. See ya. Dude, he was, he was like 6'5". They made him look like he was 6'8". He's 250 pounds. I can't remember if... I think Rocky, by the time Rocky IV was around, John, was weighing in at 202 pounds as a heavyweight. Really? He'd be giving away. He was a tiny guy. And then, they, I mean, obviously, every every guy he fought, they made him look like he was even short. And he's a short guy anyway. Yeah. Minus 160. Sorry, I'm getting worked up. I've never seen the movie, so I'll This is a – we, we got to – we're going to – we're going to have our buddy in who was on with us last night, Brett Ernst. He went he, – he did a Rocky rant. And it just turned into, like, by the end of the rant, he was just like, I want to kill somebody! And I'm like, dude, you got to calm down. Like, I like Rocky a lot, too, but you've got unhinged. And I started, I started thinking of you guys because you guys were like, I've never seen You and Adam Hill are both like, I've never seen it. Stupid. Oh, I, well, I don't ever say it was stupid. I've just never seen it. All right, we're going to get you on it. That's that's going to be our summer project is that you guys watch at least Rocky, the original, through Rocky Four. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.